you must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Good to have you guys here on this holiday in the U.S., but I'm still here. So, and glad to be here because uh, this is going to be one of those stories. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of work around the world here at Life Church International uh, combating sex trafficking uh, a lot in Southeast Asia would be our primary area. But, you know, the more we have done this, the more our awareness has been raised to know that this is uh, not just an overseas problem. This is an issue here in the United States. Uh, it's not a new issue here in the United States. It's just one that I think a lot of people have just in the last several years realized is prevalent and is something that we need to address. And here at Life Outreach, we, we're doing some things here in the United States to combat it as well. And one of those is to have the conversation that we're going to have today because my guest, her name is Akia Vauer, uh, and she is a a Texan, transplanted Texan, but we love her just as much as uh, as if she's born here. <laughs> and uh, she just released a book that tells her story, uh, and it's it's shocking in a lot of ways. This is what the book looks like. It looks like it's called One Thousand Elsewhere, uh, and just came out last month. Uh, and if you want to go into the depth on that, you, you'll have to pick up the book. You can get it on Amazon and other places where you get books. But um, we're going we're gonna to hear from Kia today and, and try to understand how we as Americans and specifically as Christians can address this and stop. I, I think this ranks right up there in the most evil things on the face of the earth. So we'll have a good conversation. Chat is open. So I welcome you, uh, and for those of you last week, I will be watching some of the spam junk and trying to knock that out quickly. But you're invited to be a part of the conversation as we talk to Kia. Kia, it's great to have you on Life Today Live. Thanks for inviting me on. So jump in wherever you want. Take us back to, you know, before you got... uh, rolled into this where, where, where did this all begin with you so uh, just a little backstory um, I actually my father uh, was uh, in the military uh, United States Air Force so we kind of check checkerboarded the planet a little bit I was born in Madrid Spain um, my mother's from Columbus Ohio my father from Chicago Illinois he grew up in a very terrible neighborhood and tried to escape that by joining the military. And so um, my mother and uh, my father had a terrible relationship. There was a lot of domestic violence. And so the backdrop was uh, pretty, pretty tumultuous. And um, basically we moved to the Dallas, Texas area in 1989. And as life would have it, um, the, my father also had a drug problem and he was an alcoholic. Mm. And things just kind of escalated uh, that made my home life very dangerous. And so um, there was just a time where my father was going through withdrawal and um, there was an altercation between he and I, and I decided that I would leave home at that point. I thought about it for many, many years, uh, but I finally had two part-time jobs at the age of 16 that were able to um, allow me to buy a ticket. And I bought a ticket to Atlanta Georgia. And so um, that in Atlanta is where the trafficking took place. And so I actually met 
um, a music producer, a very famous music producer, um, who invited me to stay with a couple of his groups and basically told me that if I wanted food and shelter and to be taken care of and maybe even be put in a few mu music videos um, and meet some celebrities and things like that, then I would have to offer services to the group. And so um, it was very devastating. I was initiated in a very brutal way into that lifestyle. And that went on. Um, gosh, uh, I would say that was a span of about six years. So from 1992 to about 1997-ish, mm. um, that was the span of time that I was trafficked right here in the United States. Now, um, was this uh, sort of the hip hop scene going on uh, in Atlanta? At the uh, R and B, the New Jack Swing era, R and B, hip hop, all of the above. Is that is that common uh, in in very sort of common. that music culture? It's very common, but not just within that music culture. Within the entertainment industry as a whole, really. Um, of course, that's the secular uh, entertainment industry. Um, you know, that is a very common story in uh, secret right mm. and so um we have heard actually a lot of uh, human trafficking and sex trafficking stories from some very prominent uh, individuals in the music industry also the epstein case yeah. you know uh, have kind of brought light to what is happening in the dark right i think sort of the the take sort of the cover story would be hey she came here on her own she's staying on her own she likes the lifestyle uh, but is it not just coercion or is it is it abuse what all is going on to keep girls in those situations so sex sex trafficking by definition and even human trafficking and then you have sex trafficking as underneath the umbrella of human tra trafficking it happens as a result of force fraud or coercion hmm. and so in my particular case this was not so there's another thing that we need to look at in the state of Texas and many other places around the US, the age of consent is 18. I was 16. Mm -hmm. And so it's not possible for a child to consent to sex to begin with. Mm -hmm. And so um, even though right now we're calling it human trafficking, it was child prostitution. And so um, I was open up to numerous individuals um, that basically prostituted me at times there were people who made money off of my condition so it was child exploitation and all of those things and so a 16 year old is not capable when they're running away from a dangerous home life situation and the altercation with my father by the way was him attempting to kill me mm -hmm. and so when i fled um you know if we backtrack track a little my home life situation was terrible uh, my mother was under severe duress with domestic violence. Uh, she had been estranged for her from her family from for over 20 years at that point. So I didn't have uncles and cousins and aunts that I could call on. Um, and when I fled, I fled for my life. Hmm. And so what a predator is looking for and what a trafficker is looking for, um, it's like a template. They're looking for young people or uh, marginalized people, immigrants and things of that nature, if you're in the US, um, who don't have a lot of options. Mm -hmm. And so um, they're going to dangle that carrot, whether you need education, whether you need a place to stay. Um, you know, we're here in the uh, DFW area, Randy, and you're talking about any given night, there's over 400 youth who are homeless on the street. Mm -hmm. What do you think like on a cold night what they're, they're looking for, on a warm night they're looking for? Food? 
um, shelter, things of that nature. And so your johns are going to provide that. Your traffickers are going to do it long term. And so uh, we're looking at, um, and that's one of the reasons I wrote the book was to kind of walk people through what is the decision making process of a victim. Yeah. Uh, what does that look like mentally? What are how are they making their choices? And so a little bit of research on the subject and you'll understand what it's like. The Stockholm syndrome was the large part of that. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, where you're captor, you you develop a bond. It's a trauma bond, by the way. It's not a love relationship. It is a trauma bond. And so there's a lot of different ways uh, that someone can be um, lured into the lifestyle and kept there. Um, brutality was a part of my initiation process. And without being very graphic, um, I was brutalized by six or seven men. Mm. So uh, under the guise of sex trafficking, you can imagine uh, the horrors that I experienced. And that instilled fear. I was told, we will kill you if you tell anything about what you've experienced. This is just you're, you know, we're helping you, but you cannot basically blow, blow the cover, right? Because this yeah. was someone who was a public figure and still is a public figure. Yeah. And that, that's one of my questions. I mean, obviously it's coming from a naive standpoint, but at the same time, you wonder why, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you go to the police or some authority is, was there a lack of trust with the police or was it just the fear of your captors or just it was it was very um, dynamic, right? And so being 16 years of age, you would realize that I was not in school. So there was truancy laws that I was up against. And so as a juvenile delinquent, now, when you're fast forwarding to now and it's 2022, uh, know, there are more things in place, even laws in place to protect a child prostitute right. um, and uh, a child who is a victim of sexual abuse. But back then in 1992, there wasn't anything in place. I would have been considered, Randy, a juvenile delinquent, and I would have been put within probably a foster care system because my home life was unstable. And so uh, even more abuse, subject to even more abuse. And um, when, when you're talking about the fear concerning the police, you know, within my uh, community, that is an issue. Um, but the biggest issue really was that you know, I would be put in the system and in the system, it would be worse somehow for me. And so there was just a lot of fear um, that was related to why I felt like, well, you know, I'm eating, I'm being taken to the Versace store to dress very nice. Mm -hmm. I'm being taken to dinner. I'm amongst celebrities, by the way. And mm -hmm. for a 16 year old, I was very enamored with that lifestyle. The dark side after the initiation process that's what kind of kept me mentally bound and emotionally and psychologically stuck where I didn't feel like I would be able to do better than this. Yeah. I mean, how could you do better than being in the company of millionaires? Yeah. Do you, is that still, you know, uh, today a common thing, do you know, or is that kind of gone away because it's, we've had some light shine, uh, shown on it? Oh, no, it's still there. It's a canker sore um, on the soul of humanity. And it's not, like you mentioned, it's not simply in the U.S. It just looks different in the U.S., right? And so, um, yes, this, this is prevalent. This is widespread. You're talking about, according to the Department of Homeland Security, um, human trafficking and sex trafficking is the third um, largest growing criminal enterprise. And so this is not by any chance in any stretch of the imagination an isolated situation and siloed to the U.S. Shocking. I know we have made some progress in some of the laws because, like you said, 
whether a minor or not, um, a lot of times the victims are prosecuted for the crimes right. that they have committed, but at the yeah. coercion of others. Uh, and I know in some states we, we've made some real progress in, in moving away. So we recognize that the, the victims aren't the criminals. The criminals are the criminals. Exactly. Exactly. And so, I mean, you're looking at, I mean, the public outcry that has taken place uh, by child advocacy groups, by uh, churches and organizations around the world, uh, concerned citizens, basically, you're looking at uh, laws that have been put into place, Texas being an amazing state for putting together a house bill called 1540, uh, which makes it a felony offense. Uh, to purchase sex from a child. Mm. And so that's huge. You're talking about a rippling message that is being uh, sent out into, um, like you said, many of the states are beginning to adopt these uh, laws, but it's sending out a message that uh, this is going to be a big problem for the criminal. Yeah. And unfortunately, even when you're talking about other criminal activities around the world, children are often used because um, they you know, will not uh, get the same type of punishment at the level that an adult will. And so uh, you're just looking at a, a terrible uh, criminal mindset that would enslave, capture, hurt, and abuse, and sometimes murder um, individuals uh, in the name of a dollar or above the currency. Uh, un unimaginable. We're talking to Kia Vauer, uh, and she tells her story in detail in this new book, 1000 Elsewhere. Uh, you can get it wherever you get books. And uh, Kia, now you are uh, a pastor's wife. Uh, yes. You're a Christian. Yes. When, wh where, where was God during all of this? Was Did, did you have any background at all or wh what was going on? Absolutely. So I grew up, um, you know, we were church rats, okay? Hmm. Even with my father having the uh, domestic violence situation, it did not stop us from going to church. We were at church every time the doors opened, you know, um, we grew up in the charismatic movement, you know, and uh, we, you know, knew the word and experienced that, but because of the home life dynamic, it was very hard for me personally um, to uh, believe in God after things began, began to get worse for me, right? Yeah. Especially after leaving home. So when I left home, I pretty much left my faith, but because God is the merciful God that he is, First of all, he never left me to begin with. Second of all, why do these type of things happen? Because sin entered the world. And with the fallen state of mankind, the depravity of mankind, sin causes individuals to do things towards other people that are harmful. And we have a spiritual enemy as well. <laughs> the enemy has his plan that he wants to carry out to do what? Kill, steal, and destroy. But by the grace of God, he embraced me when I was at my lowest. In 1997, I had a nervous breakdown as a result of all of the trauma that I experienced. And with that trauma uh, came some battle scars. And so I was diagnosed uh, with a mental illness. And, you know, to add more shame to what I had already experienced. And so when I came back to the Lord was because my brother, Literally, he was my rescuer. He came to Elizabeth, uh, New Jersey, where I was living at the time. I had moved from Atlanta, and he brought me home. 
He mm. took me away from Elizabeth Emergency Care Unit, mm. where they were trying to put me and commit me to a state hospital because that's how bad a shape I was in. Mm. When I came back to Dallas, my brother told me, he said very clearly, Kia, you've been through a lot, but we're going to go to church like we used to. Mm. Okay. And so um, we went to church again every time that the doors opened. And the power of the Holy Spirit got a hold of my life, Randy, mm. and he recreated me. He put his mind on me. I felt like I had lost my mind, you know, and I had the battle scar of the, uh, you know, diagnosis to prove it, but he put his mind on me and inside of me. And that's not to say it wasn't a long, hard road um, to get the counseling that I needed um, and to be able to rise above all of the shame and the guilt that I experienced, but through the word of God and through um, very skilled counselors, I've come a long, long way. Yeah, and it's obvious. I mean, you you look, <laughs> you look whole. I think would be the word that comes to mind. Uh, and in realizing that it is, it's an ongoing process. Life is a process for all of us. So I so I get that. But are there any particular things that um, truths I would say that really changed you? Anything come to mind specifically, the lies maybe that you had been told that you, when you discovered the truth, it, it's started to revolutionize everything about you? Honestly, uh, the biggest truth that I learned uh, was the truth of forgiveness. Um, mm, wow. First of all, uh, leaving home the way that I did uh, under the circumstances that I did, it drove a wedge between my father and I mm. for about 17 years. We didn't speak. We didn't communicate. I didn't want to. Mm. And... Um, Ultimately, when I came back to the Lord now, uh, God began to deal with me about forgiveness. And he started with my father. And so my father and I, our story is a, a redemption story because mm -hmm. now we have a relationship again. God brought him back into my life. He has been cleansed of uh, alcoholism mm -hmm. uh, and also of drugs. And that was the power of the Holy Spirit. So by the time that we reconnected, he was a new creation. I was a new creation. And so God showed me by forgiving my father, that being the first step, the process of forgiving the people who harmed me. And so forgiveness has been something that I've walked out. That has been the greatest truth to my story, forgiveness, redemption. It is the redemption story. I am an example of what, Christ, what it looks like to be redeemed by Christ. I didn't die by the hands of my abusers. Mm -hmm. I did not commit suicide, although many times I had those ideations. I did not commit homicide because many times <laughs> in my heart, there was revenge in there. Sure. But God taught me his truth that vengeance is mine. I will repay. And so being able to walk through that healing process under the grace of God, those really, Randy, were my biggest truths. So, so how does it, how does it work? Because we know God is a God of justice, right? Yeah. Uh, and yet a God of forgiveness for those yeah. who abused you, what needs to happen to them? You, you say that you've learned to forgive them. Are they just off scot-free? No, forgiveness does not mean that there are not consequences. And so I fully believe in consequences. I have to say this is a pain point for me because uh, my accusers will not were not brought to justice. Mm. I don't feel like there was justice served because they are still, you know, living their lives and they're, you know, I'd never at any time prosecuted them. I wanted to forget the situation ever happened. 
Um, and so, you know, honestly, I believe that um, the law and justice system is there for a reason. And you can forgive someone and their consequences. They can even be forgiven and still land up in jail for actions that were taken. It doesn't take away the love of God. He is still concerned about the prisoner as he is the victim, as he is the survivor. Um, but I feel like the law of justice or the, the institution of, of, of justice in law enforcement is very necessary uh, because maybe at that moment, they have not been um, you know, uh, rehabilitated, right? And so you don't want harm to continue just because you have forgiven them. The forgiveness was so that my heart can be pure. Yeah. The forgiveness is so that my relationship with God would not be hindered. Uh, but as it relates to um, justice being served, um, that right there is a component that does need to happen at times. Um, in my case, again, I don't know that that will happen, um, but I know that God will ultimately serve justice. Well, and and forgive me if I press too hard, but I'm, I'm just curious why you wouldn't have gone after them so that they would face the consequences of what they did. Honestly, and this is just the, the human part of me, I'm still terrified of that. Um, it's a very public uh, individual who is considered famous. Mm. Um, I'm a little bit nervous about what that would do to my family. I have three children. I have a husband. We're in ministry. Um, you know, I don't know if, I hate to say it this way, but I don't know if I'm brave enough. You know, um, it's okay that you ask the question, but I don't know if I feel brave enough to do it. Um, if in fact that this is something that uh, God impresses upon me to do, then um, I believe that he'll have to make it very clear to me um, that that's what I need to do. And I'm sorry, that's probably not a good answer, but that's where I am. Hey, I am not one to sit here in judgment. You hear the voice of the shepherd and obey, and and I will sit back and say that uh, God's in control and that there is mercy and grace. I'm guessing that even putting the book out is a big step because he knows who he is even if you don't name him exactly and honestly um i did describe a lot about uh, the individual i did not use his real name but anyone who knows him would know exactly who he was mm. um you know it's it's something else you know randy i actually titled the book 1000 elsewhere a true survivor story based on psalm 8410 and that is uh, that is the scripture that really carried me through. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Oh wow! You know, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord hmm. than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. And so, when God gives me the strength to confront my um, traffickers, then that's the time that I will do it. But in the meantime, I'm going to be opening up the door in the house of my God. And the rest of us will be praying along with you that God just exposes him and that you don't have to put yourself at any kind of risk because uh, he can do that as well. In Jesus' name. <laughs> All right. I want to ask you a couple of questions about um, sort of the trafficking in general. You mentioned that it still goes on. Um, how do we, how does the church go about even addressing this? Because most of us, we just, we, we don't know what to do. Right. And honestly, I mean, you know, um, Life Outreach International is already spearheading uh, what it looks like to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the victims 
in this regard. And many other churches and organizations are doing exactly that. And so um, I consider myself uh, a child safety advocate and an advocate specifically as it relates to um, sex trafficking. And the biggest thing that you can do is learn what's going on in your city. All you have to do is type in um, in Google, human trafficking, sex trafficking, name the city, name the country, mm. and a lot of statistics and a lot of organizations are going to pop up. And you can get involved that way um, because it seems very uh, large of an issue. And so it's possible to be so inundated with the gravity of it and the information and the statistics that you you forget that all, all sometimes you the 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 uh, foundation has already been laid by an organization that is carrying out the That's rescue true. efforts and things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. I know the DFW area has a number of organizations, Traffic 911, uh, New Friends, New Life, It's Gonna Be Okay, Unbound North Texas. Yeah. Uh, and that's just to name a few. Bocce's Place. There are so many safe houses and um, organizations right now who are doing the work. And so as it relates to me, uh, giving platforms to people who have a, a, a skin in the game, right? And yeah. so I am a survivor advocate. I speak at organizations and churches, just bringing awareness to what is going on and how people can become involved. So there's a multiple number of ways. I, I would suggest them donating to Life Outreach International. <laughs> you guys are doing the work. And so it's not as difficult as it may seem to get involved. And pray. Please pray. Continue to pray. And if someone is interested in doing that, you can designate your gift towards uh, the Rescue Life, which which is ours. And we have recently partnered with a group out of Dallas that is going after the organization, not just, in fact, they really don't do a whole lot. They, they refer women who are coming out of trafficking to organizations that can help them on the, on the back end. But the reality is that when you take a girl out of trafficking and the organization is still set up, they just go get another girl. Exactly. And so it's, it's a multi-pronged way that um, human trafficking is being fought. Yeah. Right. Uh, Department of Homeland Security uh, has a goal that by 2030, um, human trafficking will be eradicated in the U.S. And so when you have large organizations, overarching governmental or organizations, nonprofits, uh, churches who are putting forth these efforts, then there are multiple ways to get uh, involved. There are task force, okay, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where law enforcement um, is coming in. They're coming into schools talking about crime mm -hmm. prevention. I did a, a, a workshop the other day with um, an organization of uh, police officers who are heavy on the crime prevention, and mm -hmm. so they're bringing in survivor advocates to speak in schools and speak at various churches and different places in order to spread the word. And so the other tier that you're looking at is, you know, the children. They have to understand what internet safety looks like because yeah. everything does, it doesn't look like the movie Taken, okay? <laughs> right. That might be one aspect and I'm not saying that that doesn't right. happen, but right. there are so many different ways that it happens. You know, when you're helping out homeless youth, you're helping potential children who would be falling prey to the hands of traffickers. Yes, yeah. great, great, great point. If, if someone, question from the audience, are there some warning signs, whether obvious or maybe not so obvious, that uh, that someone has been trafficked or is being trafficked here in the U.S.? What do we look yeah. for? 
Well, there's warning signs and there's also industries that you have to look at. You have to look at people who are working in uh, massage parlors. You have to Mm. look at uh, individuals who are uh, working at nail salons. You have to look at fact that yes that many of them are under the umbrella of human trafficking and so uh sometimes that involves uh you know sexual exploitation and other times it involves uh labor trafficking and so it is all around us uh it's in our schools Um, a lot of the traffickers are recruiting teenagers peer-to-peer because, you know, it's a little bit easier to trust someone your own age. Mm. And so um, they are forcing children to become criminals in this entire ring of, of, of sex trafficking. And so some of the signs, um, well, the signs are very difficult at times to, to see. But sometimes when you look at a child who is receiving very expensive gifts from friends, um, mm-hmm. boyfriends that you haven't met mm-hmm. and they're having a relationship, you know, girlfriends, because uh, there are women traffickers just as well as male traffickers. Yep. So uh, bruises that are in various stages of healing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if you begin to notice that is happening, many children who have been trafficked are coming back home. And sometimes, unfortunately, Randy, it's happening in the home. The home is the unsafe place. Mm. And so the foster care system, you know, so uh, it looks different ways, right? Um, the internet, uh, inor- inordinate amounts of time being spent in certain gaming platforms mm. because traffickers are doing what? They're posing, you know, and they're grooming and they're having these relationships. A lot of these apps that have disappearing stories and disappearing uh, functions uh, and messages, uh, a lot of the screenshots of children who are being lured into taking pictures of their self that aren't appropriate, yeah. um, which are being uh, sent to or, uh, other uh, websites. And that's another way trafficking is happening. And so that's a lot of information. But uh, again, I encourage people to use Google <laughs> and say, how does this look? And look at how this looks in my city. But um, abuse, uh, anytime you're seeing abuse and sexual abuse and trafficking, a lot of time the child will become, or the person will become very withdrawn, very secretive, Mm. uh, not wanting to tell you their whereabouts. Sometimes uh, the situation is such to where they're not receiving expensive gifts, and you just see a decline in the appearance of the child. Uh, You see a lot of mental health issues emerging, Mm. things of that nature that you'll observe over time. But again, um, it does require more than uh, what I've stated, it requires really a lot of research, uh, not even that much. Uh, there's plenty of organizations, the Poema Foundation and mm-hmm. different organizations that they spell it out step by step. This is what this looks like. So I'd encourage you to find human trafficking organizations, begin to follow them on social media, and they will give you an education on how to combat and what it looks like. Great. All great information. And, and you can, you know, wherever you're at, you you can you can get involved you know, uh, and you, you can certainly join those in prayer because prayer does things in the supernatural that has have ramifications in the natural. Uh, and we don't always see it immediately the way we want, but scripture promises. And so we know that that's a good place, but the, I think it's, I think it's a two prong thing. I think it's a matter of prayer and a matter of action. Absolutely. Uh, and, and what Kia has laid out is a path of action. I want to. I want to let you end it. I wanna, let me show people your website there real quick. It says coming soon, and that may be today, tomorrow, very quickly. But you can at least get in touch with Kia Vower right there at kiavower.com, and you can see the spelling as well. 
so I would encourage you, if you want to follow up, if you want to have her come speak uh, and, and talk about this in your community, uh, that's where you connect with her right there. Kia, I want, I want to leave this on a personal uh, note uh, and on, on a message of hope because as, as one who has been through hell on earth, if I can be blunt, you have a you, you have a quality about you that is uh, positive, <laughs> you know. Who, if someone is facing this type of situation uh, or just a general brokenness, um, how do they get what you've got? What is your what is your secret to the joy and the peace in your life? The secret to the joy and the peace of my life, Randy, uh, really is just submitting to Jesus Christ mm. to get to a point to where you realize that you're a sinner in need of salvation and giving my heart to Christ, rededicating my life to Christ in 97 was the path in which the wholeness began to take place. Mm. It was a long road. It's not going to happen overnight, uh, but the love of my savior and others around me who poured into me, mentored me, um, you know, uh, telling me who I was in Christ and then me getting in my word and learning who I was in Christ. And that no matter what I had experienced, no matter what I'd gone through, that it was redeemable, Mm -hmm. that he's actually already paid the price. And that may sound, you know, really cliche Christianese, but it's true. True. (laughs) <laughs> this is true. And there, I'm not the only witness. I am a witness, but I'm not the only witness um, of his mercy and his ability to give you beauty for ashes. I'm not the only witness. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, you know, it goes to identity. Uh, and, yeah. and you move beyond identity uh, as, as a victim um, or as a criminal uh, into a new creation. And, and that's what people in that situation desperately need. So thank you. Thank you for being willing to share your story because as as we've discussed there there is some risk that, that potentially comes with this but right. also just the i mean you know I, i'm imagine i mean i know shame uh, about your past is is uh something i'm, I'm sure you've had to deal with um yes. and just in coming out and saying it i mean this is this is a courageous step for you so so thank you thank you Appreciate all you guys hanging out, uh, watching. Please share. This is something we need We need people to be aware of. This is the important thing, and this is the work of the church, uh, and it's the work of the church being involved in the community as well. So let's get out there and do it. We, we can shine the light even in the darkest places. So appreciate you doing it. Hit share, hit follow, hit like, hit whatever you hit, wherever you're watching, and come back. We'll have more for you tomorrow here on Life Today Live. Check out Kia's book. 1,000 elsewhere. What a beautiful title, by the way. I love I love that reference. Appreciate you being here. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. This is your hour, angry mob. And the hour of darkness. But enjoy it. Squeeze all the fun you can out of it. This is your hour. This is your hour. Because it's soon going to end. And truth will be on the soul of your change. Sunday is coming.